Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Somebody's here. Yeah. Solo suckage again this week with Steve Rosenblum, Rosie, enjoying a few Saturdays off. So it means half the suckage, which might be good for everybody. We are, it's like diet wb club we are half the suckage half the bong we are not full today because rosie is not here but we will we will push on yes we will i'm mark grody i am here with you until the start of cubs brewers to be played at wrigley field today pregame 12:45 with zach zayman pat hughes and ron coomer the coom dog will have the call at 120 today. The Cubs will go for two in a row after destroying the Brewers yesterday, 15 to two, in a fun game that does not need a whole lot of minutia analysis because the bats were absolutely out. We'll talk about the Cubs a little bit later on. Tom Thayer will be on the show today, Bears radio analyst and very close friends with 
Steve McMichael, a, a former teammate of Tom Thayer's on those 80s Bears and 90s Bears. They practice against each other, obviously. Tom on the offensive line, McMichael on the defensive line. They got to know each other a lot. He has all... Thayer has always had huge, big-time praise for McMichael in the time that I've known Thayer and being on the Bears tour and all that. So he was the first guy that popped to my mind because McMichael, if you don't know the story, has been diagnosed with, has been dealing with, for about the last three months, has been dealing with ALS. Um, And uh, we will speak to Tom Thayer about that, about what he's going through, because McMichael is... 60 pounds lighter. He is disabled in many ways, shape, or form, and this is not a kind disease, not a disease that people tend to win. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to getting a little bit um, up close on what's going on with Michael, but we will as well talk about the NFL draft. Got a huge draft show coming up this week, Thursday. I had to think in my head what day the, the actual draft was. Um, on Thursday, on WBBM, because we've got a Cubs game, on WBBM, our draft coverage, it's like everybody. Jeff Joniak, Thayer, Hub Arkish, Dan Pompey, Chris Emma from 670thescore.com, me, I'll have my small role as well. So, it, But it will be a jamboree of Bears draft talk on Thursday, and I promise you throughout the weekend as well. So we, we have been preparing and getting you know all excited for the for the NFL draft, which is coming up. So we'll talk to Thayer again, 11:25. What Mark heard will be at noon today. We listen to and react to the hottest audio of the week as it pertains to our teams here in Chicago. We cover local sports right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And I'm open to you more than ever because Stevie Sunshine is not here. I don't have a partner, so I will lean on you to provide me that comfort and partnership. If you would like to call or text, it's the same number, 312-644-6767. Again, 312-644-6767. The man you will speak to if you do decide to call is Adam Stadzinski, the Trash Panda, Studs. You can call him any of those things if you call, and uh, he will, he'll shake you down, and then we'll put you on the radio through Adam Stadzinski, who is running the show as we speak. I'm on Twitter. If you want to interact there, at Mark Grody Sports is the way to do it. Grody, G-R-O-T-E. Again, at Mark Grody Sports. I'm on Facebook. Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Facebook. Yeah, fa- <laughs> Baby got Facebook. I am on the InstaG, too. I think right now, assuming that the the time is that up, there should be on my story right now uh, Dave the Cat, who did have a successful day at the vet yesterday, had to get his weight checked because I've I've been, apparently I've been an irresponsible owner throughout the pandemic, letting the cat eat the good stuff. So he's on a diet now. He lost a pound yesterday, which relative to cats is pretty good. He's got like two more pounds to go. But uh, I think... If you want to meet Dave the Cat, he's on Instagram. That's the kind of stuff I do on Instagram. So let's get rolling. Let's talk about baseball, man. I mean, I mentioned the Cubs, but actually I want to start with the, the White Sox and that game last night. White Sox over the Rangers, 9-7. First of all, there was lots of good, and I'm going to get into the good. I promise you. That is not the way you're going to win playoff games with a game like that for the White Sox. 
right? Like, you you could have this game right now, what, 19 games in, the 19th game of the year, but that is not the blueprint uh, to which the, the White Sox should subscribe on winning games, and that is the standard to which I hold them up. So I wouldn't say that if I didn't think the White Sox could do damage in the postseason. So that's first. You can't blow a five-run lead. Aaron Bummer's got to get himself together. You can't make errors. You can't play defense that way. So that that game last night, that ain't happening in the postseason. And that's the way I do measure the White Sox, whether they like it or not. All right, let's dig into some of the, the good. Okay, your, main, your mean Mercedes. I officially no longer know how to handle your mean Mercedes. It, it, is this him? Is this what he is? Because every time I think it's going to start to come down to earth, like the story and all the, the records and the astonishment that has gone with your mean Mercedes this year, I keep thinking, all right, it's going to level off. You see him moving down the order. Tony pulls him out of a game recently. He gets days off. You're like, okay, it's normalizing. And Tony LaRusso is preparing for the normalizing. And then he refills the story. That's that's what comes to my brain. He keeps refilling the story on his own because the rest of us just keep assuming that this doesn't have lasting power. I don't think anybody, like truly, even the most ardent White Sox fans, broadcasters, followers, as nice of things as they're saying about your mean Mercedes, I think everybody knows that this is not what it is. Or is it actually what it is? Because I'm at, I'm at a dumbfounded point when it comes to Mercedes because he doesn't stop filling up the cup and giving us the story. And then all the, the little stats and the nuggets that come with it come with a humane Mercedes story. It's just unbelievable. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like, I had answers before. I was pretty Joe Broadcaster confident that, hey, this is not him. There's no way this is him. But no, I just don't know. I just don't know anymore. And if you think you have a pretty good beat or rational thought on this, because right now I've, I've lost it. I've lost it on Mercedes. I'd love to hear from you. 312 644 um, Yeah, that, and, and in particular, Mercedes last. Like putting together good at-bats, too. It's not just the hits. It's the patience. Like he's got this approach at the plate where he will work a 3-2 count, it's just his swing that throws you off because he'll he'll swing at ridiculous pitches and hit ridiculous pitches. So he appears to be undisciplined and erratic and wild, but not really because he has something of a discerning eye as well, which makes him all the more complex when you actually watch his at-bats. That seventh inning RBI double to right center field against Kyle Cody, who I don't know why they just kept marching Kyle Cody out there, but you know what? That's for Texas Sports Radio to figure out this morning. And, and them boys and girls. So, yeah, his, his approach is just... Like, some of the things that Mercedes is doing right now, it's not just luck with his approach. And here's the other part about Mercedes. Pitchers are adjusting to him. The league... Like, this is 2021. The league started to adjust to your main Mercedes after that first wild week he had. All right? I mean, teams are not stupid. They, they started to take him seriously probably five games into the season, and you see what they're trying to do to him, and he has that knack for hitting bad pitches. I mean, Steve Stone has pointed out and has been warning all along, and now we're seeing it. Yes, pitchers are going to try to do everything they can to keep 
Mercedes from barreling up. And guess what? Your mean has readjusted and and returned the favor back to those guys. So I don't know. Is that a good answer? I don't know on your mean Mercedes. All I'm right, just convinced Matt. he's going to hit 400 at this point. Maybe. I, I think so. He's over I, 400. I, I mean, he's, he just keeps hitting. I don't <laughs> like. Maybe he, he has a, an, an off game, quote unquote, but then he goes out and does what he did last night where he goes four for four. So it just, it, I think he's just going to hit 400. I guess. You know, I think that that is, but that's like, like not only do I wonder, not only do I find myself wondering about happy or mean, is he real for this year? And then what about beyond? Like, what if this is a case? Like, they were throwing out the some pretty top-notch, probably not quite parallels to Mercedes, like guys who figured it out later in their careers or became stars later in their careers. And I think David Ortiz was one of those names. Although, he hit the ball when he played in Minnesota. He just stopped playing defense when he went to Boston. So... I mean, there are comps, and I haven't really paid much attention to those because I just kept thinking, no, this is there's a novelty factor to this, and we've all seen this as baseball fans and followers of baseball. There are guys who start off ridiculously hot who you've never heard of, and then they, they come back down to earth. So now I'm wondering, is it this year? Is it beyond this year? Who are you, your mean Mercedes? Who are you? If you're out there listening, tell us who you are. 312-644-6767. What, what a great mystery. And and I, I don't know that there's a lot of like the real tight baseball people that can tell you either at this point. It's funny because one thing that I've been calling for with Mercedes is I kept saying, you can't like every time he comes up to bat, we can't li- like if you want it to become normal with Mercedes and you want him just to be treated as a normal guy who's a productive player in your lineup. Every time he comes up to bat, we can't like go through the litany of greatness and what he's done and what a great story it is. Eventually, it just has to be, and you just have to say like, okay, here here is Jose Abreu, the way we treat Jose Abreu, or here's Yoan Moncada who's starting to swing it again. And it hasn't been that way. It's been like, well, here he is again. What's he going to do this time? And then it did start to normalize a little bit in terms of the way he, he is treated by us. And then he had four hits last night. And now here I am speaking at a 10 about Mercedes. So he is he is difficult to figure out, but it is fun to try to to figure him out. Uh, from the 847, guys like J.D. Martinez, yeah, Nelson Cruz, Edwin Encarnacion, all late bloomers as well. Yeah. And yeah, I guess you could put those guys down too, no doubt about it. Um, from the 815, half the suckage is better than no suckage. Thank you, mailman nuts. I appreciate that. Uh, from the 469, Mark, do you ever say to Dave the Cat, laugh it up, fuzzball? Well, I, I kind of just did. I don't, oh, okay. I just, Dave is sleeping on my bed right now. He's in the other room. Um, so, yeah, no, these are. Martinez and Cruz and Encarnacion, there's, I mean, like I'm starting to consider those possibilities and those comps, whereas before I thought it was kind of ridiculous to throw that around or any of this, to take any of this seriously, but maybe I am now. Dylan Cease last night, that first inning, like it, it became a classic Dylan Cease game. 32 pitches in the first. Felt like he got squeezed on a couple pitches, but not really 
in the first inning. It was his doing. He lasted three and a third, allowed two runs on three hits, struck out five, walked three, gave up a home run, ended up with 80 pitches because of that 32-pitch first inning. And it's so worth bringing up because that's his bugaboo. We're going bugaboo today. That he gives up, he, he just can't quite attack the way he wants to. And everything just kind of looks nervous when Dylan Cease is pitching. There, there's this like air of insecurity when he's on the mound and the White Sox defense. Everything just, nothing looks quite right yet when Cease is pitching for the White Sox. In the four, like for example, the the kind of quintessential good and bad of Cease, like where he's got the stuff and then where he could give it up, all in like a, a sequence of a couple of pitches. The fourth inning, he has Cease a really nice strikeout of Adalis Garcia, really nice strikeout, and then Solak hits that two-run homer. White Sox lead trimmed to three, five-two. White Sox at that point, and Tony Larusa trying to, starting to figure out the rhythm. Oh, this is what we do. We take Dylan Cease out in the fourth inning. Yeah, I'm totally down with that. I've read about this. So Larusa makes the walk out there. It puts Evan Marshall into the game. So there, there is a, there's a weird rhythm when Dylan Cease is out there, and it's not necessarily good. He's still. He's still got the stuff. He's got the stuff, but he has not been able to rein in the stuff. Or maybe somebody needs to shake him and say, you've got the stuff. You, you could throw really hard. You don't need to nibble. Attack these hitters a little bit more. Don't throw so many pitches. That's what I have to say about Dylan Cease. More White Sox talk coming up a little bit later on, but we need to make room now for the former Bear, current Bears broadcaster, Tom Thayer. We'll talk about the NFL draft with him and one of his best buddies, uh, Steve McMichael, who is very sick, and I know that he definitely resonates with lots of, the, of you Bears fans out there, Tom Thayer. Um, Steve McMichael, that is. Tom Thayer, we'll talk about McMichael next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Mark Grody back with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Solo Grody, no Rosenblum today. He will return at some point in time. When? I can't tell you exactly when. By the way, before we get to Tom Thayer, um, I'm looking at my trending site here on Twitter, and I see that Kopech is trending, and I'm now looking at it, um, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe Trash Panda, you could do a little digging and see why it is. And maybe that's not even Michael Kopech. I don't know. I just saw a little alert that said he is trending, and I, I don't know if that's that's a good thing to, to see. Um, all right, anyway, let's talk about the Bears with Tom Thayer and the with the draft coming up. And Tom Thayer also happens to be very close friends with Steve McMichael, who unfortunately has been dealing with for the last three months a diagnosis of... ALS, known to many, especially sports fans, as Lou Gehrig's disease. He is severely disabled. He has lost weight in a wheelchair. He has to be helped with um, to be fed. 
It's not a good situation. And uh, like I said, Tom Thayer joins me right now to discuss what's going on with Steve McMichael and the Bears. Tom, this is this has had to be a really tough time for you, and I assume that you, you've known about this probably since it, it started a few months ago. Would that be correct? Um, you know, not from the beginning, but I was aware of it, um, you know, uh, within the last couple months. And then, uh, you know, kind of the more you learn about it, the more you know about it, the more familiar you become about it. But, you know, early in my life, I was introduced to this disease through uh, a priest in my hometown had it. So then you be, then everybody, as you get older, you 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 see the Lou Gehrig story on TV, and then you know now you know you don't put um, you know you don't you don't know what to think about it because now you have a priest, and then you see the story of a baseball player. So you seem like this disease can affect anybody at any time, uh, no matter what your role in life is. Um, for me. The way I know Steve McMichael and uh, the person that I have in mind and uh, the persona that's, you know, bigger than life sometimes, you know, that's still the Steve McMichael that I know. But it, it is a disease that definitely has taken a toll. Um, and, it, um, you know, as everybody became aware yesterday and what he's fighting and what he's going through, it's, it's just an extremely hard, tough battle. But I'm also inspired by his wife Misty, who, and his daughter Macy, for that, for that matter, of the role that they've accepted and that they're taking in in Steve's life, and how helpful and how compassionate they are. Um, that's as inspirational as it is depressing to see what Steve's going through. Can you describe as best you can? Tom Thayer, what what he is going through, what he what he looks like, what he is able to do, what he is unable to do, just so people have a, a better picture of what this disease is and what what Steve Mongo McMichael is going through. Uh, you know, like you said, he's lost a considerable amount of weight. You know, um, he doesn't have any use of his arms or his hands. Um, he's able to shuffle across the, uh, the the living room kitchen floor, and we usually sit at the kitchen table and just. Um, have story time or, you know, just remembrances of the good times. It's, I see Steve, like I said, I still remember the Mongo that I knew, the big hulking, strong, you know, dominant force in the NFL. Although, you know, with the weight loss and the the non-use of his arms and everything, it's, you know, you can't, um, you, you can't hide it, you know. So um, I just try to, you know, carry a really positive um, story session whenever I do get a chance to be around him. Yeah, I mean, look, McMichael is is a guy who he's a five time Pro Bowler. I mean, this this guy was an absolute force with the Bears from '81 to 93 and i know that just from talking to you tom and getting to know you through the years you've been saying this like for the last anytime i talk to you or it comes up about how you think steve mcmichael should be in the hall of fame don't you well it's you know for those of you that don't know steve mcmichael and if you just look up the analytics you look up the statistics you look at what he was able to accomplish from one of the more difficult positions inside the world of football, which is a down defensive lineman that you're getting hit by multiple bodies every single play. 
the numbers speak for themselves. You know, um, even if you had a football historian who read numbers of guys in the Hall of Fame, um, Steve, is he deserves it as much as any person from any team um, because the numbers and what he's been able to accomplish speak for themselves. When you talk about performance, 191 straight games, and that doesn't include the playoff games he's played in. So, you know, durability, dedication, um, you know, what he meant to me on Sundays because Steve practiced so hard and he was so committed to practices when we would go out in the field out for game day Sundays, you know, we felt um, we felt more confident because we practiced against Steve and the way he handled himself. And himself. One thing that I'm curious about about Steve McMichael, and we're, talk, we're talking to Tom Thayer right now, Mark Grody here on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. That's where Steve McMichael diagnosed with ALS, so again, severely disabled at this point. One thing about him that I guess I never really thought about is that he's like a super smart guy because he doesn't really put that out there. He doesn't have that. Like he kind of plays the dumb Southern guy, but he's actually pretty smart, isn't he? He's incredibly intelligent. And I think one of the most intelligent thing that Ming has done throughout his whole life is he played that persona, more of the Mongo character that he played from the Blazing Saddles movie and stuff. And, that's the way he people perceived him, and and he was a loud, humorous, control the room type of guy, and he had that southern drawl that's immediately associated to the the western, the cowboy type guy. And Steve is a he is a super intelligent man, um, and more than just sports, more than just football, life itself, and that's why I've always appreciated. Um, every time that I've ever been able to be around Steve, including the last two times that I've gone to his house to see him, um, I just I appreciate his sense of humor. I, impress, I appreciate his intelligence, and um, you know he's attacked anything in front of him that life has offered him, from football to professional wrestling to singing on stage with the Chicago Six Band and Dan Hampton, and to what he's fighting through now. Uh, he's he's not naive to anything, and he's got a, a, a super approach that right now I, I admire most about him. So the 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 jocularity, the the Mongo character is still there. Like when you go over there, um, or or what is he like? Are there those real moments of you know, as you just said, he's not naive, or is he is he still kind of like full Mongo? I'm going to be Mongo until I if I am to lose this fight. You know, the, the, um, uh, a couple weeks ago, me and Jay Hildenberg, we walked into Steve's house, and as he shuffled across the room, you know, I kind of said, all right, Jay, we finally got our opportunity. We're going to double-team Ming like we always wanted to. And he goes, oh, hell, I knew that's why you guys came over here. You finally got a chance to get me. And so, you know, he goes along with the moment. And you're not, you're not hiding the facts of anything, but as we go there as ex-teammates, we talk about the fun stories throughout our time together. In football, some of the things you talk about now that are, are fun, um, it was hard work and it was dedication. It was the effort that we all gave for each other back then. But, you know, you, you got to carry those stories to try to allow he and Misty's mind to escape um, from the reality of what's going on. 
Well, we're all hoping and praying for a successful fight for Steve McMichael. And I, I appreciate you, Tom, giving us a little bit of insight because I know this is sensitive and is private. However, McMichael, did, was there any reason that he, he chose to? I, I mean, I totally understand why he would, would have kept his private for three months. But was there a reason that he chose to come out and make this very public at this point? Was there any, any reason for that or just that's what people Well, I, 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 I'm sure there's rumors of it filtering out and, you know, with the world today, how unfair it is as soon as somebody got knowledge of it they were going to put it out there in social media some way shape or form so i think steve wanted you to hear it from steve and like he said he's not going to be a public figure anymore he's not going to be out there in the world you know he will be doing what he does um in in his house he has the wheelchair that's going to give him access to move around he just had opportunity to get a wheelchair accessible van that uh, Misty can drive and, and he can move around if he wants to. But, um, you know, um, I guess I, I'm sure all of us, it's better to hear it from Steve than it is to hear it from a third party. And since Steve has come out with this story, um, I've had calls and messages from people all over the, the world, all over the United States that, they know of our friendship and us being teammates and stuff and all the other guys that I played with with the Bears. And when they see the, the story, they reach out to me in letting Steve know that they'll be praying for him. So I, I think it had a, a, an enormous impact on hearing it from Steve than if, if somebody else would have reported the story. Yeah, no doubt. That's 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 such a great point. You want it. He wants to tell it his way, so everything is out there, and it's not just a bunch of weird rumors and right. truths about what's going on. So good on Steve McMichael to do that and realize it. And he probably, I, he probably doesn't even realize it, but he's probably helping other people and other families and other people who are stricken with this awful disease. No doubt about it. Um, and I know. Tom, that if McMichael is listening right now, he I feel a force. He wants us to talk about the the Bears draft right now. So that's what we're going to do is make the switch over to the draft. The draft begins on Thursday. You and Joniak and me and Hub and Pompey and Chris Emma all going to be part of the draft extravaganza on Thursday night to be heard on WBBM radio. There's a million different directions I can go with you on this, but I will ask you this right now. Not necessarily if you have a specific player, great, but what position right now, let's say the Bears keep the 20th overall pick in the draft, what position would you like to see the Bears go with with that pick? Um, you know, I, I want to plug and play. I want a dominator. I want a player that's going to be drafted at this level that he's played all the way up through college. Um, and to me, uh, that always points to uh, offensive tackle right now specifically. I think they have a lot of players that can play on the inside. They have a lot of interior talent. they got to go out and find that uh, dominator, the guy that's going to lead the offensive line for the next 10 years. So if there was an offensive tackle that stood out, um, that's had a, a great deal of experience through his college career, I would look at that or else. I would look at a dominating defensive lineman, a guy that you have to have multiple bodies concerned with when you game plan this type of this type of player. Um, you know, we see what um, Akeem Hicks is capable of. We're not really sure what Eddie Goldman is going to return to, 
and they've lost uh, some players on the other side, even though they did sign Mario Edwards Jr. But when you talk about a defensive lineman, you're talking about a rotating position that you need, you know, five to six guys in there. And, uh, you know, Mark, you've been doing sidelines. and Every time we get ready to play a team that has a dominating defensive lineman, there's so much concern because he's so close to the football. He's so close to the quarterback every play. So I know it doesn't sound as sexy as some of these guys that are preparing to draft Trevor Lawrence or, you know, some of these other high-profile quarterbacks. However, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. And I think you can do more for the weapons that the Bears have by protecting them, opening holes in front of them, or getting the defense off the field to provide more opportunities for your offense. I actually love the idea of if the Bears were to use 20 to get a, a defensive lineman or even a pass rusher. I mean, they they aren't positions that I've zeroed in on as much as as absolute needs just because, and specifically on defense, just because of the cornerback position, Tom. And you obviously, I think you have a starter for years to come in Jalen Johnson. I'm pretty sure. I don't know that we could completely 100% say you're stable there, but I think so. And... I, I'm not sure, like, like Desmond Trufant is a nice player. Artie Burns, we saw, you know, it looked like he was a guy who may, may have even earned a starting spot last year had he not gotten hurt in training camp. But would you be surprised if the Bears thought cornerback CB at at number 20? No, I mean, if that guy is there, you know, if you have that, that guy that's going to be a three-down defensive back, he's going to play press, he's going to play zone coverage, backed off man whatever the case is if that guy is there and you have him identified as being what kind of required nowadays unless you're, you have the luxury of last year like green bay drafting a quarterback that you know that's going to sit for a couple of years but the bears don't have that luxury they need a guy to come in here and contribute to uh, week one game day roster and um so yeah if that guy is there it would be it'd be hard to pass him up uh but, you know, Ryan Pace has done a nice job in the last couple of years of evaluating these corners that maybe can come in in the second or third round and provide, you know, to, you know become a starter, uh, hopefully immediately if the offseason is almost possible with the limited preseason with three games now. So, you know, I think that is a position mark that people look for all the time because it's one of the most difficult positions to fill you know Trey Roberson is another guy that's going to have an opportunity to compete for the other uh, cornerback mm-hmm. position the talented defensive back they signed out of Canadian League last year that was injured so they do have some candidates but um, you know I guess if you know if there was if he was far far ahead of any other guy that you had considered for that pick I, I would go with it I would be okay with it all right, two more quickies before I let you go, Tom Theron. I'm Mark Rody here on the score. As far as a another playmaker on offense, as in wide receiver, I like Darnell Mooney. Allen Robinson is great, but do they need to, from maybe second round on, do, do they need to collect a wide receiver or two still? Yeah, uh, yeah I want uh, my specific um, recommendation for wide receivers. I want a right wide receiver with size. I want a guy that's six two or above that complement Allen Robinson. You know, there's so much uncertainty about Javon Wims and Anthony Miller. To me, 
I would like to put Tariq Cohen as a slot receiver. Allow him to use his creativity and his threat from the line of scrimmage. Put a ball into his hand in open space and let him be the creator that he is. But so if I'm going to have a receiver on the other side of the field, there's a lot of candidates out there in this draft. I mean, there's like 40 receivers out there that are being evaluated, which is a high number. But, you know, you have uh, Bateman and Minnesota is over 6'2". You have Collins at, at Michigan that's over 6'4". And you have another selection of guys out there that can be that size threat, you know, to kind of take a little bit of pressure off of Allen Robinson and um, become more threatening with Cole Komet, more threatening with Trey Cohen and David Roberts, Roberts, uh, David Montgomery and uh, Williams, the new running back they signed from Kansas City. They both have great hands. So you put a little bit more size in the line of scrimmage and you're immediately threatening against the defense you're playing. All right. So I got to ask you too about Cohen. You mentioned putting him in the slot. I love that idea. Do you, in doing that, do you just say no more running back? Like we're going to make you a slot receiver and kind of disguise you up and down this, 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 the slot spot. Well, I, you know, I just think that he's more threatening against coverage when he gets a little bit of a running start and try to get into space rather than starting from the running back position and facing an uh, eight- or nine-man front as soon as he becomes a, a running back. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, I wouldn't use him in maybe third down or certain down and distances against different, you know, packages that you're facing defensively. But to me... Um, I think in, when you go back and you look at when is when is Tariq the most dangerous in space on punt returns, now if you put him in space from the line of scrimmage as a receiver, I can I think he can become equally as threatening for big plays. And um, so I want to see the, the talents of Tariq Cohen get exposed. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of him at the running back position because – like I said, I think Montgomery and Williams, and they have Ryan Nall still there, that those guys are capable of handling that position. Now that Cordero's not here, you know, you need that, you know, double weapon type of guy, and I hope a lot of it for Tariq starts from the line of scrimmage. I like it, man. I really do, and I appreciate you coming on, talking draft, and talking about your buddy Steve McMichael, whom we're all hoping and praying for, and I hope you're ready for the – the six-man draft weave to be directed by our guy, Jeff Joniak, on Thursday. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the draft. And, um, you know, like Steve McMichael, the last thing he said is, if, if you hear his story, just say a prayer for him. And I think that's the best that we can all do right now. And, uh, you know, I just let's all show him our love. Amen, brother. Tom, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and I will certainly see you and talk to you next week. Have a good one, man. I look forward to it. See you, Mark. All right. That is Tom Thayer, 85 Bear, current analyst for Bears Radio and a frequent visitor to the score and to be part of our draft coverage on Thursday on WBBM, which will be going on all weekend. We're going to do another extravaganza show in this time slot next Saturday with, with many of the same voices. So we will hit you hard and well with our draft coverage here on 670 The Score. All right, coming up at the top of the hour, it will be what Mark heard. We will listen to some of the best audio of the week and react to it, pertinent topics that affect your Chicago sports teams here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
All right, so right before we had Tom Thayer on the show, Mark Grody in with you here till 12.45, I noticed on my Twitter page that Kopech was trending, and presumably it was Michael Kopech. And upon doing a little bit of research and Adam Stadzinski looking it up, apparently last night, at the, the White Sox game, White Sox-Rangers, mind you. Home game, home game. Guaranteed rate field, south side of Chicago, beautiful ballpark. There were fans, apparently Sox fans, that were heckling Michael Kopech. And then you're like, why in the world would there be Sox fans heckling Michael Kopech? Like, he's had like one semi-shaky appearance that I've been able to calculate this year, and the rest of the time he's been superb. I don't know what the grounds of heck... Like, I don't even know. Like, oh, you opted out! Like, was it an opt-out heckle? I I don't know why. And apparently it got to the point where one of the hecklers like, made herself public, and then White Sox Twitter went after her or attempted to discourage her from her viewpoint. And then she deleted her account. Like I can't make sense of the heckling of, I mean, is there any white Sox player who's heckle worthy right now? I mean, I know it hasn't been a great start 10 and nine, but like, I I'm, I'm like actually trying to think of some semblance of logic. Like, are there Mets fans left over from... The, <laughs> did, did they not go back? Just Because there general. was a lot of Mets fans in town recently, so maybe some of those New Yorkers doing in, this. In general, the idea of heckling your own team, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, booing is one thing, but, like, heckling your own team... You're right! Like, even if your team... Like, let's say the Sox sucked, you typically aren't going to heckle. Like, that's a different realm than being discouraged with a player booing a player and heckling are complete they're not even related categories those are different things like heckling is personal and really i don't know if i've ever heard of heckling your own guys no discourage booze disappointment loud sports talk radio yeah but heckling nah all right, we have a breaking phone call, 312-644-6767. What do we got here, studs? Toby's here. Toby. What's up, Toby? Toby, Toby, two minutes. Hey, What's Mark. up, buddy? How you doing, How's man? How's it going, dude? How's I'm it going? doing well. I, You know, it's a solo, solo suckage today. No no yeah. Rosie, so you, you got the bad call. We could apparently. heckle him. We could heckle <laughs> Can't even get this guy out of bed to do a show in his own house, and he's vaccinated. <laughs> Who is this guy? Hey, we'll connect your dots and we'll board your planes. Rosa Bloom and can't I, even do sports talk radio. I know so, he's yes. saying spitballs at a battleship over there right now. I know he's saying that in his house. Oh, man. Yeah, I never thought of that. But I here, Here's the thing. <laughs> Maybe like five. I think this was like, man, this was probably 10 years ago. I remember and doing that's how long Rosenblum and I have intermittently been doing this Saturday oh, I show. I remember, and you probably remember this being a P1 listener that you are, as faithful as you are, Toby, when yeah. I came up with a scenario of Steve Rosenblum being a, a dunk 
tank participant and oh, yeah. the visual of that being like a like imagine it being like downtown somewhere and and the <laughs> line like on michigan avenue looks like the new jordans are about to drop no it's steve rosenblum <laughs> it's steve rosenblum in a dunk tank because everybody wants their shot they're it's, like, they're like he would just be It'd be every Chica- every Chicago sports athlete and executive he's called out in the last thirty years. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and they're like they're actually camping out to get their spot, and they're <laughs> they're taking off work. They're, they're like sacrificing their lives to try to dunk Steve Rosenblum, the caustic, dot connecting, uh, 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 journalist from the uh, from the Chicago Tribune. I don't know if he's got the same bite. Or power that yeah. he once had because he's not ripping people on a daily basis, but he was the most worthy media person of all time to be put in the dunk tank. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, this side mm-hmm. of Dan Bernstein, of course. You know, I, I'm sure he would be the he'd be the modern day winner, I believe. Uh, but yeah, the, the, that that crap like that visual, I couldn't get myself together after a while. Just around the people commiserating in the line people freezing in the line i gotta i just gotta dunk this guy i just gotta people bonding in the line what do you do to you what do you talk about (laughs) with you let me tell you what he said about me this guy over here he said i should be fired how dare he and then they fired me (laughs) i'm picturing people like holding the old newspaper clippings like like this headline in 1992 Right. Yeah, it's like laminated. <laughs> it's People don't forget, up. Steve. Yeah, exactly. And and I got to tell you, there are executives, trust me, who do hold on to, to such things. Not necessarily just from Stevie Sunshine Rosenblum, but yeah, he's... Uh, he <laughs> yeah, Our get guy. Your, get your free shots at Rose. All right, uh, Toby, I hate to cut you short, my man, but I'm glad. It's wonderful to hear your voice, but the trash panda is telling me that we have to take a break so we can stay on time. All right. The station. All right, buddy. Get to talk about the bears. But I that... know. Well, well, I w- you know what? Call next week because we're doing a whole bear show, I promise. Okay. I will. All right, buddy. You have a good you're, one, Mark. You're the best. Thanks, Toby. Love Toby. I know I couldn't let Toby be Toby because the visual of the Rosenblum dunk tank overcame me once again. All right, what Mark heard is next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.